As the regular season of Nike EYBL comes to a close, the Elliott Cadeau Reclassification Watch enters the next stage. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to welcome you all in. If it's your first time ever joining us, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. For you everydayers, welcome back as always. Coming up on the show today, we might have another group of Tar Heels on the cusp of a national championship. That's just what Tar Heels keep doing. We've got updates on where the baseball team is headed. Uh, Carolina women's basketball team picked up another five-star coach. Banghart is rolling. But before we get to all of that, I need to update you on kind of where things are at with Elliot Cadeau's timeline, at least in terms of what he's playing and doing. I mentioned off the top, the Nike EYBL regular season is over. That combination of letters and words might mean nothing to you. It might mean a lot to you, but let's let me just help make sure we're all on the same page so you know where we're coming from. You've maybe heard of the EYBL. Basically, it's just Nike's AAU summer circuit. There are four sessions that happen um, through the spring up through now, and then we will have Peach Jam coming up in July, which Peach Jam is the culmination of those four sessions. Peach Jam like the championships, the finals, uh, takes taking place a little bit earlier this year than it normally does just because of the change in some of the recruiting calendar stuff. But the, the four sessions that have gone on so far have been Atlanta, Phoenix, Dallas, and then they were just in Memphis for the last session this weekend. And again, they'll move on to Peach Jam. That's going to take place July 3 through 9. Here's why I bring all this up and why it matters with Elliot Cadeau. Because this for me for a while has been the first natural break or um, point at which if Elliot is indeed going to reclassify and come to North Carolina for this upcoming season, this would be one of the natural points to do it. Either immediately following the last session of the regular season of EYBL at, you know, basically at some point in June or after peach jam and so we've got a little over a month until peach jam happens and so this could be a natural moment for elliot to reclassify if he's going to do so so the question where i'm at right now and where perhaps you're at because you're like listen if he's gonna do it he needs to do it i I think a lot of people are starting to feel that way and i uh, would tend to agree with that right like the team needs to work at building some cohesion it's going to be pretty soon here when Simeon Wiltshire and Zayden High move in, um, those kind of things. And so if Cadeau is going to reclassify, will it be sometime in June before Peach Jam or will he wait to af- till after? Or will we just never hear anything and he goes on to his senior year of high school uh, down at Link Academy in Branson, Missouri? So that, that's where I'm at wondering. So my thought is, if he's going to do it in this open period, it would be within a week or so. 
for a couple reasons. Number one, if you're going to do it now, why drag it out after these regular four sessions of EYBL are over? Um, the other thing is, the sooner you can do it, the sooner it lets your AAU team figure out what they're going to do for Peach Jam moving forward because clearly Elliot is a massive part of that, which also then brings the question, you know, for the sake of your team, do you need to stick around and play Peach Jam first? I think a lot of that probably depends on the conversations with Coach Davis and the coaching staff. Like, hey, no, we'll be good. You wait and then come in July after Peach Jam's over. Or maybe Coach Davis is saying, hey, if you want to do it, we we want you to go ahead and do it, right? Uh, so those things are all on, up in the air. But I'm just telling you, if this is going to happen, this is kind of one of those open windows to watch for an announcement. I'm not telling you anything's happening. I'm not saying anything's imminent. I'm just saying this would be a logical window in which to make the announcement. Now, part of this, let's look at Elliot Cadeau's numbers from these four sessions of EYBL. Uh, he finishes the whole thing with an absolutely silly stat line. You ready for this? 29 points. That was his summer high. 15 assists. That ties his summer high for a single game. Three rebounds and a steal. And so you love seeing Elliot finish that off if it is indeed his last ever EYBL game in massive fashion. So his team, New Heights Lightning, in total, across those four sessions of UYBL, played 17 games. They went 13 and four. They are um, second place in Pool B there. Um, he averaged across those 17 games 15.7 points, 4.8 rebounds, 9.3 assists, which led all of UYBL to just 2.3 turnovers. For most of these sessions, he's been over 10 assists per game. He's just had a stretch where he's been under several times. So again, Elliot had 9.2 assists per game, almost averaged a double-double with points and assists. I mean, that's just silly. One other player had 6.2 assists per game. Three were in the fives, and everyone else was under that in terms of assists. <laughs> Cadeau also averaged 1.8 steals per game. That was tied for 10th in EYBL. Um, and all of this he did while shooting 50% from the field, averaging 35.4% from three, and 87.9 from the free throw line. That is something. That I mean, that'll go right there with what RJ Davis is doing. Um, had a triple-double one game this summer, 23, 10, and 10 points, rebounds, and, and assists, excuse me. And so just ridiculous stuff he's been doing this summer. Had double-figure assists in 10 of the 17 games. I mean, it's just, it's just wacky. So we will keep our eyes on this, figure out what's going to happen, and uh, then we will go from there. Got some baseball updates for you. Want to let you know what's happening with the team, where they'll be headed, who they'll be playing, schedule, all that good stuff, and some bad news that we got along with it. All of that coming up. But first, I need to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need to get the best tasting protein bar ever. Perhaps you're like me. You want that great taste, but you don't want to compromise on having a healthy choice. 
then I got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Puffs. They're so healthy and they're amazing. Now, why so? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They also come in amazing flavors like churro or peanut butter brownie. And all the while, I don't know how Built pulls this off, but even while they taste good, they've got these awesome macros. Just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. Now you don't have to sit around waiting for a box to come from Built.com with your order in it. You can just head down to Walmart, get you a little box, go to Sam's Club, get you a bulk box, variety pack, whatever you need to do. Go check it out. Get you some Built Bars or Puffs, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. I want to thank you all again for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listener watch of the day, especially you everydayers who are with us always. You know everything we've been tracking, and so you're jumping right on in. If you're not an everydayer, go back a couple weeks, catch up with us Find out the kind of things we talk about and uh, come become an everyday or where this is part of your everyday routine. Just, you know, 30 minutes a day. That's all it is. Speaking of which, I want to say a little shout out to Charles. We had a great conversation back and forth uh, on Twitter yesterday. And Charles, I just wanted to say a word of thanks to you, who's an everydayer, for reaching out and uh, having that conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Okay, let's get to baseball. Yesterday on Memorial Day, the uh, baseball regionals were announced. We already knew that the Tar Heels would not be hosting, but the prevailing thought is that they would be a number two seed in one of those 16 regionals. Surprise, surprise, we found out a lot of things that we didn't think would happen. The prevailing thought that Carolina would be either maybe in the Nashville bracket, Vanderbilt's, maybe in uh, Coastal Carolina's bracket. No, uh, all of that was wrong. They are in the Terre Haute bracket, which is where the Indiana State Sycamores are located. So Indiana State, let's call them the Fighting Larry Birds, are the number one seed in Carolina's regional, the national number 14 seed. And then came the other surprise. The Tar Heels are not the number two seed. That is the Iowa Hawkeyes, Carolina three, and then Wright State is fourth and so you're looking at that the schedule for how it will play out games will take place as we said yesterday friday through monday but now we have a better idea of the schedule carolina and iowa will play friday night on acc network that's great at 7 p.m eastern time so go ahead and mark your calendar for that um, earlier in the day will be the other matchup indiana state versus Wright state that's going to be at one Eastern on ESPN Plus. So if you want to check out uh, the possible opponents for game two, go watch that game on Friday. Saturday, then obviously Carolina will either play Indiana State or Wright State. Remember, it is a double elimination regional. The losers of the two games are going to play at noon. Obviously, that's an elimination game because they will have lost two. And then the winners will play at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then moving on to Sunday, the team there will be one team eliminated, one team that's two and zero, oh, and two teams one and one. Those two one and one teams will play in yet another an elimination game that'll be at noon on Sunday, and then Sunday at six, the final undefeated team will play that team that's come out of the elimination bracket at six. That's a potential championship game. If the undefeated team wins, it's over. 
Uh, if they lose that, if the undefeated team loses that game, then the certain championship of the regional will be on Monday at a time TBD. And so basically it's um, that seven o'clock game Friday and then either 12 or six Saturday and Sunday. So um, Carolina needs to go and take care of business there. Uh, three seed weren't really expecting that. How do these how have these teams fared against other teams in the field? Because you probably don't know much about Indiana State or Iowa or um, Wright State. Um, Carolina has played the most games of this four team field against other NCAA tournament teams. They've played 30 games. They're 12 and 18 in those games, a 400 or a 40% winning percentage. Um, Iowa has played the next most games, 14. They're six and eight. Wright State is three and eight in their 11 games. And Indiana State is three and nine in their 12 games. So Iowa has the best winning percentage, but has played fewer than half of Carolina's games against the NCAA tournament field. Carolina, remember I said has played 30. Those other three teams combined have played 37. So Carolina has the most experience against the rest of the NCAA tournament field, and you expect that to come in handy. Now, here's the thing. As I look at these three other teams, they they don't, in general, scare me when I look at who they are and what they do. But as we said on yesterday's show, Carolina really needs to work at coming from the winner's bracket to help offset what's been kind of a suspect pitching staff this year. Um, and so what you really want to do is win that first game against Iowa and then win on Saturday, and then you're two and oh, and maybe only have to play one more game while coming out of that elimination bracket is obviously much more difficult. And you got to turn around and play Friday at seven. And then again, at noon on Saturday, you don't want to do that. All the bigger problem though, is that Carolina on Friday night is going to be facing, probably facing, I guess I should say, we don't know for certain, but they're going to be facing uh, Iowa's ace Brody Brecht and homie is a probable 2024 first rounder. He's got a fastball that hits triple digits. His slider is dirty, dirty, nasty, unfair slider. And so Tar Heels got their work cut out for them at the plate, but um, I mean, that's why you go out and play the game. And so we will see what happens. By the way, you know, they pair these two regionals. Uh, they pair up the regionals and obviously the winners face off then in the super regional. So the regional Carolinas regional is paired with is the Fayetteville regional. Arkansas is the number three national seed. The other three teams there are TCU, Arizona, and Santa Clara. And I probably don't have to remind you, but who did Carolina host and lose to in last year's Super Regional? That's right. Those same Razorbacks. And both games, it felt like I, I did just Carolina lost and um, got swept out of that and couldn't make it to the College World Series. So an opportunity for some possible revenge down in Fayetteville. Here's the big bummer. Whatever happens, it's going to have to be without Vance Honeycutt. Coach Forbes went ahead on Monday and confirmed no Vance for this regional. That's no good, but uh, what I like about him going ahead and saying that, I, I know it gives the information to um, the opponents, but for Carolina, it lets you philosophically just steal your mind and get ready to go for what you got to do. And so uh, I like to see that side of it. All right. So there's baseball. We'll obviously talk more about that as we get towards 
the weekend. I promised you uh, some news from women's basketball. Great news. Coach Banghart just keeps slamming it in the recruiting game on the recruiting trail, picking up Blanca Thomas in number 10 in the class of 2024. You know, if you follow women's basketball, that Carolina needed some height in a big way last season. It was rebounding by committee and yet they were 11th in the conference in rebounding. Well, a six foot five post is certainly going to help that endeavor. And that's exactly what Thomas is comes uh, plays at Charlotte Catholic high school, obviously has one more year as part of the class of 2024. So she is a rising senior and Carolina. I mean, even this upcoming season has six foot five Sierra Toomey coming in who will also help. And so Carolina is working to add to the front court to really solidify what that, that athletic and, and highly capable backcourt and wings can do for coach bang hearts team. So uh, Blanca Thomas comes in. She averaged 18.3 points, 13.6 rebounds. That's incredible. Oh, by the way, that was as a freshman. So yeah, that's not what she did last year. That's two years ago as a freshman. So uh, this young lady is special and excited to see what how she'll continue to grow and evolve her game ahead of her senior season and then ahead of coming to North Carolina. So great things. Always love to get uh, great news like this in the off season and congrats to coach Banghart as she continues to build this program in a massive way. Well, we just had some women's national champions in tennis, both the team and doubles. We might have some guys, some men, not tennis players, but on the golf team on the cusp of their own team national championship. I'll have that news for you in just a second. Okay. You might be aware that the golf national championship rounds have been going on over the past several days. It started Friday and just like a golf major, if you keep tabs on golf, you know, they play like Thursday to Sunday, basically same thing Friday to Monday in this case with it Monday being Memorial day, 18 holes a day. So one round of golf, for a total of 72 holes. So what happens is after those first three rounds, they cut it down to 15 teams from 30. And then after the fourth round, they go ahead and claim or crown the individual national champion. We'll talk about that in a little bit. It's not Carolina or I would already be talking about it. Uh, But then after the fourth round, after Monday's round, they cut that 15 down to eight. And so basically what you've been doing is as a team, just trying to accumulate the lowest total that you can over those four days and 20 total rounds. You know, you have five guys playing and four rounds, that's 20 rounds. North Carolina shot a minus seven as a team on Monday. And that means that they finish uh, stroke play number one. Yeah. The Tar Heels shot 273 on Monday, the lowest ever round for a Tar Heel quintet in an NCAA championship setting. And their four-day total of 1,114 strokes broke Carolina's previous low for a 72-hole total at an NCAA championships that they set last year, and they broke that by 20 strokes. I mean, that is not just like eking out a new record. That is blowing it And so, as I said, the team is good enough to have earned the top seed entering match play 
quarterfinals on Tuesday. They were the number two team in the nation coming into this. Vandy was number one, but they're out. They did not make this top eight. So Carolina is not only the number one uh, seed in terms of what's actually happened, but they came in to this as the highest rated team remaining. Now, after day one, Carolina was fourth, after day two, third, after day three, fourth. And so uh, moving up in a big way on Sunday. Now, here's the problem, though. Carolina has put themselves in that position, but it's not just to maintain it now. The strokes do not matter. <laughs> Numbers of strokes gone. That just the, the stroke play served to help eliminate teams over the first four days. And then also to help determine the order of seeding for match play. And so that's good that Carolina got number one. And in fact, of those final eight teams, the ACC is really well represented. In fact, the ACC makes up exactly half of the final eight teams. Carolina is joined by Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Virginia. In fact, here's all of these remaining eight seeds. Carolina number one, Florida two, Illinois three, Pepperdine, the Waves are four, Georgia Tech five, Florida State six, Virginia seven. Rounding out things is Arizona State, the eight seed. So the good news for Carolina is that the benefit of being the number one seed is that you get the number eight seed, which is those Arizona State Sun Devils who actually tie, uh, finished tied for eighth with Stanford, but beat out the Cardinal in a two-hole playoff. So here's the thing, though. Arizona State came into this whole thing fourth in the nation. And so it's like, yeah, they finished eighth in how they're playing. Maybe it's the course. I don't know. But that's what they did. So we'll have to see what happens because Arizona State is nothing to sneeze at. The Tar Heels are going to have to keep bringing it just like they've done for the last four days. Cool thing is this is the third straight season the Tar Heels have advanced to the match play rounds. In fact, only two other active teams have that same three-year stretch going. That's Pepperdine along with Arizona State. So, so again, Carolina has a lot of work on their hands. Last year, they were the three-seed entering match play. They lost to six-seed Pepperdine in the quarterfinals. And in 2021, they were the eight-seed and lost to number one-seed Arizona State. They just keep popping up. It's so annoying. So the schedule uh, for the rest of how this will go, all of it's on the Golf Channel if you want to watch. But Tuesday will be both the quarterfinals and semifinals. So Carolina, Arizona State at noon Eastern in the quarterfinals. The four winners of those quarterfinal matches will play in the semifinals at five o'clock. Also today, Tuesday. And then, so the winner, uh, if Carolina moved on to the semifinals, which they haven't done either the previous two years, they'd either be playing Pepperdine or Georgia Tech. And then the championship match will be on Wednesday, tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So for those of you who aren't uh, up to speed with how match play works, because it's different, you're not just playing to see who can have the lowest score. It's, it's You're not just playing the course. You're playing the course and your opponent. And I mean both in terms of who the other team is and who that one other player is. So it's not, that's this is not how match play works. Our team's collective score for five players versus your team's collective score for five players. It's not that. It's also not, we line up five, you line up five, 
and I'm playing one of your players in lowest score on the on the round wins a point. That ain't it either. Here is what match play is at the collegiate D1 level. I've got my five best guys. You've got your five best guys, and I am just playing one of them. So you match up each of the five, one against another. And rather than low score, I'm just you're you're just trying to win each hole. So 18 holes in a round of golf, you're trying to win more of them than your that one person you're matched up against. So it doesn't matter if I get a double bogey. If you get a triple bogey, I win the hole. It doesn't matter if I get a birdie. If you're able to get an eagle, you win the hole and you beat me. If you par, great job, but I got a birdie, so I win the hole. Or if we both par, it's a wash. So um, you, you don't keep score by adding strokes. You keep score by adding up the number of holes one against just that one other person for the whole round. So let's say I win five holes. Drake May is my opponent. Let's just pull that name out of thin air. Drake wins four holes, and then we tie nine holes. That means that I won more holes, and I get one point for my team, and Drake gets zero points. Now, um, basically, since there's five players, that means first team to three points is the winner. Um, The good thing about the way this works is that one bad hole doesn't like screw you up for the rest of the round. One bad hole is just one bad hole. Short-term memory goldfish, put it out of your head and you move on. So let me tell you how to understand the score. If you're looking at things as they're going and it says Drake may up two on Isaac shade, that means Drake Drake has won two more holes than I have. Or if you see something that says um, Isaac shade down one to Drake may, that means I have one fewer wins than Drake does. If you see something, maybe the round is over and it says four and three. What that means is I, let's say four and three, Isaac Shade wins. That means I was up four holes on Drake with three holes to go. So mathematically, there was no way he could win enough to beat me. And so that's what four and three would mean. Or the other thing is that it could be split if we are tied. Let's say... Uh, of the 18 holes, we tie 10 and each win four. Then it's completely tied and each team would get half of our one point. So you could see like half points doled out to the teams. So as you're tracking with stuff, if you want to watch or keep up, those are some of the numbers you'll see. I hope that makes sense. If not, reach out to me and I'll explain it to you more. Now on the individual side of things, I already told you Carolina didn't win, but Dylan Menante, Dylan, Dylan, excuse me, who had been right there in the mix, finished tied for fourth, just two strokes back of national championship, uh, national champion Fred Biondi of Florida. And so a great run there. Um, Austin Greaser finished tied for 11th. He shot a 66 on Monday, including getting a hole in one on uh, the fifth hole. So great job by Greaser there. And uh, you love to see the Tar Heels just continuing to do great work. So um, hopefully today on Tuesday, you're keeping tabs on this. Hopefully Carolina uh, is downing the Sun Devils. Um, I know it's closer to home for them, so they might be a little more used to it, but Carolina again comes in as the number one seed. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Always great to be together. 
just so many great things going on around Carolina. Always love to get to have all those conversations. Really appreciate you tuning in to be part of it. If you would, go leave us a review. Apple Podcasts or wherever you find reviews, five stars. Just write out why you love the show, why you enjoy being part of this community. If you want to follow along more in depth and you don't already, you can check us out on Twitter, Locked on Heels, or me personally, at Isaac Shade. If you want to have a more in-depth conversation with me, email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, leave comments. We're closing in on 6,000 YouTube subscribers. Thank you so much. Friends, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? You know it. We'll be right back with you tomorrow. Quick scheduling update. Pac and I are going, Coach Pat Kilby and I, usually on Wednesday show, we will be together on Thursday's show this week. So don't freak out when you don't see or hear Pac tomorrow. I promise you, he'll be with us on Thursday. Until tomorrow when we talk again, peace. Peace.